Welcome to the Yellow Balloons Podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we examine the elements of a story and how these apply to the story of all stories. Heroes and villains, major and minor characters, seeming defeat and reversals of victory. We love stories. The structure of a story communicates a message, a sense of adventure. It invites us into a purpose. Every story is a microcosm of the great story of the Bible. Each of us are minor characters who make major impacts on the story. Exploring scripture helps equip us to contribute our part to the grand narrative. So I think what we ought to do is start with the elements of a story. There's always a hero. There's always a villain. There's always a reversal of some kind because the hero has an objective. The villain is trying to keep the hero from getting to that objective. And somewhere along the way, the hero falls and you think the villain's won. And then the hero comes back and finally wins at the end of the day. And every story's like that to some extent. You may have two reversals. You may have, there's all kind of subplot things that you can have, but that's kind of the fundamental backbone of a story. Now, Annabelle, you studied this uh, topic in college. Mm -hmm. Joey, you were a liberal arts major. Did you guys get anything else about the basic framework of a story that we need to include before we start filling in kind of how the Bible answers these things? I think this is an interesting question for for Joey as well because he's a writer, and so he writes stories all the time. I think a big big part of it is character development. The characters in the story, not just the hero, um, grow, learn, change. It's not a story if the character is, um, isn't going through challenges and, and learning from it. Um, so that's, a, that's an important element, I think. It's to, often to every the story. case the hero doesn't know they're the hero. They learn that they're the hero, and often very reluctantly. When, if you, had the, you have the hero and the villain, they're the main characters, but why are the other characters important, I guess, is another important aspect of story before we get into what's the Bible story. Well, I think that one of the reasons that humans love story so much is because it's always saying something more than it's saying. The, the hero, the villain, the minor characters... It, the story has a has a purpose. It has a message. Um, you know, people love Star Wars, and part of it is this dynamic of good triumphing over evil, and that if if we fight, we can win against uh, the dark forces in our lives. And so, I I think one of the reasons that these minor characters exist is to help bring some color to that story. Some of my favorite elements of story are just like a one-liner or a very um, beautiful episode that happens to a minor character almost as an aside to the greater story because it, it shows you it's a microcosm of what the greater story is telling. It's a microcosm of what the hero is experiencing. And one of the things you see in a lot of stories, like uh, Harry Potter is a good example of this. Harry Potter is the hero and a great character 
But in a lot of ways, Harry Potter helps to allow for free expression of the other characters because they don't have to bear the burden of being the hero. You know, they're not having to defeat the villain in the ultimate climax. So they can make mistakes and they can have a lot more reversals and in, in, in areas of, of grace. So I think there's something that's really interesting to that and helps bring some beauty, some dimension, some color to the greater message, the greater purpose uh, of what the story is all about. So let me just make sure I'm hearing what you're saying there. So you're saying the minor characters have are minor heroes or minor villains. And if we were looking at the story from their perspective, they would be the hero or the villain. But they don't bear the ultimate burden of the cosmic struggle. They, they are heroic or villainous in a subcontext of a cosmic struggle that's operating at a bigger level. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay so I, I, would, I would venture to say that every great story, like Star Wars or Harry Potter, we love it because it's a reflection of what's really happening around us. And our, our spirits are resonating with that, even if we don't know it. So let's just take one of them. So who's the ultimate hero in Star Wars? I would say the he- the ultimate hero is the f- positive side of the force. Right, that's what I would say. The the light, the force is actually the main character in in mm-hmm. those stories. And the interesting thing is that they started the they started Star Wars with the force being impersonal, which is a huge a Hindu concept. But that is not interesting to humans. If the ultimate hero is not knowable, then we're going to lose interest. So in one of the early episodes, Obi-Wan Kenobi figures out how to keep his persona when he, when he absorbs into the Force rather than losing it. That's the, that's the key breakover point in the whole story because now the Force is personal hmm. and you can go into the Force and keep your personality. So now the Force is the combination of all life on, you know, the, in the universe but it's now personal because you've figured out how to keep your personality. So now there's the God figure, and it's light. And when Darth Vader shows up and he's standing beside Obi-Wan Kenobi in their, you know, in their force persona, their new bodies, their new spiritually resurrected bodies, you can see that even he turned to the, to the right side and became a part of the positive force. And I would say that's the ultimate hero. And you're always rooting for everybody to go that direction. But there's this terrible pull of the dark side because you can be in control. There's more power now. Power now versus power later. And there's a tremendous pull to power now, which is exactly what we all face every day. I can be in control of my own self-destruction now, and it kind of feels good. But there's this horrible price to pay later. And, you know, you're, you're seeing that reflected in Star Wars constantly. And you have all these minor fights that are part of this big fight of the dark side versus the light side. And you have these massive armies and all this sort of thing. But the primary attention is always given to a handful of people that know how to use the force because they are the ultimate swings of how it all comes out. 
so if you get, now you go to the Bible. So who's who's the force? You know, the right side of the force. It's God, and you have Satan who's trying to pull it a different direction. And you know, you get like Psalm eight that says, uh, "God, how how amazing you are! You're incredible because." You have crowned humanity with glory and honor. And the glory and honor you gave them was to be over all of creation. The fish in the sea and the birds in the air and the plants. You, you put them over all this. Why would you do that? Because, this is verse 2 of Psalm 8, we are just like nursing infants in the universe. We just got here. We're babies. And these angelic characters... They've been here for eons, and you've got this adversary, Satan, and you're using babies to silence Satan. That's really amazing. What an incredible thing. Well, there you go. There's your Star Wars plot right there. you got the evil emperor. That's the embodiment of the dark side. And the embodiment of the right side is a farmer kid. doesn't even know he has this gift. It's Psalm 8. That's, Star Wars starts off at Psalm 8. And how is this farmer kid going to take down this vast empire that's headed by this seemingly irresistible character? So the Bible has got that overall uh, trajectory, and the answer is our Luke Skywalker is Jesus because he comes down as a man because our first hero fell. You know, Adam's the first hero, and the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. So we had a reversal, and now another hero comes, and he comes as a servant in a manger in a, in a little town. He's a very Luke Skywalker-ish, mm-hmm. you know, out kind of remote village, not on the main highway, is misunderstood, people don't get it, you know, lives a life that wouldn't be noticed if you wouldn't if it weren't for God's focusing the spotlight on it and dies in our place and then goes away. And he was seemingly, okay, well, what did he leave behind? He left us. So we are those minor characters. Every one of us has a chance to be a hero, but we don't have to bear the burden of it all. He, he, he gets to bear the burden of it all. And if you tell the story of any minor character, that in and of itself becomes a hero-villain story. It's just not the whole story, right? Not the meta story. But every one of us gets a chance to be a Luke Skywalker. So if we start to see ourselves in that light in this, in the, as a minor character in the story, I think you know, we can start realizing how grand our choices are. And, you know, one of the fascinating things to me about the Bible is how uh, very human all the characters in there are. They are. I mean, like the 12 disciples. They're idiots. They never understood a thing Jesus said. They were selfish. They were all about themselves and their own glory. You know, they were just, they bumbled through the whole thing. They almost never got anything right. But you know what they were willing to do is die for the cause. They just didn't understand what the cause was until Jesus came back. They were clueless for three years. I find that incredibly encouraging. You know, we all have baggage. We all come out of a, a corrupt circumstance. It's just a matter of degree and, and style, what kind of corruption it is. And we have the chance to just make one choice at a time and walk and say, I want that instead. And 
we, ha we have the opportunity to do something great in this grand story that can be, you know, a huge thing. But we're still not bearing the burden of the whole deal. Ultimately, Jesus bore that. Well, and I think that that idea was what changed the Bible from an obligation to a treasure for me was I, first of all, kind of accepting the reality that I this whole thing isn't about me. There's something greater than me going on. And at first that was disappointing, but uh, the, the more I thought about it, the more freeing it was to not have to carry that weight. And then I got into Scripture in a discovery sense because I wanted to know what it took to be a good minor character. You know, I wanted to know what heroes went through and what the story is about and what it is that I was committing to, you know, dying for, mm -hmm. uh, to living for, even more importantly. And so I think when we talk about motivations and why we read Scripture and how we approach it, there's something that really makes it come alive when you start to, you know, when you leave the theater, when you walk out of Star Wars and you're walking down the little aisle where the trash can is and you kind of got like a swagger to you, just watching the story <laughs> makes you feel like there's something in you that comes alive that's like, yeah, I've seen someone on this you know, movie screen overcome challenges and stand up for what they believe in and have courage to fight. And I'm capable of doing that. And I want to, I want to do that. And I want to learn more about how to do that. And I think as that started to, Scripture started to reveal itself as the only place that, uh, or the ultimate place, I should say, where that teaching manifested itself, it became more alluring to me in a healthy way and less of an obligation and more of an opportunity to be a part of the great story that's going on and to steward my little minor story more effectively and with more joy. You know, and let me just say, I, I would have to say, I don't think... I don't think our stories are little or minor either one. I think that's one of the big emphasis that the Scripture has is we're all invited to do something huge. It's just it's not we're, – we're just not the, the one carrying yeah. the big burden. Well, I think that's a really good point because I think we think about minor characters and what – I think we think of that and use that in terms of like importance and significance. And I don't think even in the structure of a story that's really their purpose. It's just – that main ultimate climax uh, is, has, has to be between the major entities. So they're not minor in significance. They're just minor in... Um, the ultimate resolution. The, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's but a they're, good point. That, they're actually what the story's about in many respects. And so that's, that's, I think, what the Bible is trying to convey to us. We've been given this unbelievable thing, choice. We've been giving very strict limitations on what that choice covers. We get to choose who we trust. We get to choose how we look at things. We get to choose what we do. If we will play our assigned role well, it totally alters the story. Mm -hmm. I think the other stories in our world, like Star Wars or Harry Potter, are a gift because they allow us to see, look at the Bible with a different kind of perspective. They're ultimately, like we were just talking about, replicating certain elements of the Bible, and the Bible is ultimately a story. But I think I think it's cool that we can look at a story outside of the Bible and still see elements of the truth of the Bible in it. Um, and so I think it's cool that we can compare the two and really see, we can relate to both of the stories and um, see the humanity and see truth in all of them. And I think they allow us to maybe read the stories of the Bible 
with a different perspective or allow us to see things we may have not seen before. I think that's really a great insight that if we're doing this right, we're going to be studying the Bible alongside stories and seeing the Bible come alive in stories. And, and for me, alongside history, I really like history. I go places to see, you know, why, what happened and why it happened. And to me, that's just all part of this same fabric of this big story. The Bible focuses in on a few things, but those principles there, I think, carry over to the things that aren't written down because the Bible encompasses everything in human history. Like you get Daniel 2. We've, we've got Daniel in the podcast series. It tells you, here's what's going to happen in history. Here's the four uh, major historical eras that are going to take place, and then the kingdom of God's going to happen. Everything that happens is within that framework, and it's all part of God's plan. The ultimate question, though, for us is, are you going to play the role I asked you to, or are you going to stray, stray and go your own way? I think a really important distinction, you talked earlier about grand choices and how our choices are grand, but I think that it's really important to recognize that every choice we make is a grand choice, even the little ones, because it's going to set up a trajectory for us, and those choices build on each other. Anakin Skywalker didn't get to be Darth Vader through one grand choice. He became Darth Vader through a series of small choices that became bigger, and so it has a sort of snowball effect. Um, And so we need to be stewarding all of the choices that we make in order to make sure that we are making choices that are choosing the spirit as opposed to choosing the flesh. It's interesting this comes up now because the the last public talk I gave, this was one of my main points. Uh, Because we talk about walking in the spirit, what is that? And you get that Galatians 5, walk walk in the spirit, not walk in the flesh. But there's this key phrase that says, the, the spirit lusts against the flesh, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and these are in, in, in enmity with one another, and they're both within us. And then this key phrase, that you do not do what you wish. So the dominant, the dominant doing within us is the flesh. Our first reaction is always going to be the flesh. But our dominant wishing is the spirit. And the way I've experienced that is uh, I react it feels good for a moment, and then not that long later, I regret the action. Or I restrain, and it feels horrible because I really wanted to react, you know, hit back, criticize back, whatever it is. And later I think, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't do that. Okay, that's the way it feels like. So I would say walking in the Spirit is doing a lot of little things that feel bad. but you're glad about it later. That's what walking in the Spirit's like, which is a different way to think about it, you know, and it's exactly what you just said. It's all these little things that we're doing. And if you think about patience, what is patience? It's not doing what you feel like doing in the, t- in the moment of an irritation. What is kindness? It's doing what you really would prefer not to do in a moment where, where there's trouble. So, you know, there, that is, I think, the 
core aspect. And the minor characters, you're usually doing things that don't seem important in and of themselves, and you find out later in the story how important they were. Mm-hmm. Well, that's us. We're all in a position where we can be like a, a core part of the story. It's an invitation. I think like your reflection piece is really important because what you're reflecting on is the consequence, right? You're reflecting on, is this just like a quick fix that's going to make me feel good now? Or is it going to have like extreme consequences on me later or not? And if we can, um, I guess, be aware enough to discern, like, is this going to just make me feel good now, but like, I'm going to feel horrible later. And I know that something, there's going to be a consequence from this choice. Then we can actually make the choice that is right and will benefit us the most. It's actually a, a time preference issue. Uh, one, of, one of the key aspects of material prosperity is time, under, the understanding of time. Like people that uh, borrow extreme high interest payday loans are not going to generally be people that accumulate a lot of financial uh, capacity because they're paying an enormous price to have money now rather than just waiting three days and having it then. So, and there could be instances where that's a necessity, but. If it's, a, if it's a habit, then it's just basically, I only care about now. Well, the, the spiritual size had that exact same thing, except that time preference is usually not just a few days. It's, it more extends uh, longer. And it's interesting, Hebrews calls, uh, or gives an example of Esau that way, and it calls him a profane person. Profane just means common. You know, you were unable to see yourself as an important character in the story, let's say. You just thought of yourself as just a, an appetite. And you sold your birthright, which in that era was the privilege of being the head of the family for a pot of stew. Well, you know, we, we all have the opportunity to have a birthright, to be, you know, uh, have these amazing rewards of serving alongside Christ on his throne, that's a reward. Not everybody gets it. And the way you get that is by doing whatever your assigned task is faithfully. That no one, generally other people aren't going to see. It's generally not appreciated and it's hard because it doesn't feel good in the moment. And that's how, that's how you actually achieve greatness is through service. And if you look at it that way, like I'm in this grand story and I get to do this amazing part, it changes things. I mean, it, it makes, it makes uh, difficulty make sense. I just, I really like what Annabelle said about other stories and how uh, every story is, is kind of trying to do what the Bible's doing, and most stories derailed terribly, but mm-hmm. one of the things that brought me to Scripture, strangely, was the Chronicles of Narnia. I fell in love with what C.S. Lewis was doing in that story, and it pushed me to want to go to the original source material and find uh, find more there. So I think there's just something about these elements of story that drive all of us. We're all living a story. We're all watching stories around us. We all sense the importance of stories. It's been a huge aspect of uh, humanity forever. Uh, and scripture is the main story. It's the story um, above all stories. And I think that 
if we can use that as a motivation to bring us there, uh, there's excitement to be found, there's discovery to be found, there's truth and perspective that we'll otherwise miss out on. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.